African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Hey, thank you for joining us. It is uh, 11 o'clock Central African time. Uh, Thank you for joining us where we're broadcasting from our Johannesburg studios at the SABC headquarters in Auckland Park, Johannesburg, South Africa. You with me, Benjamin Mushatama. This is African Dialogue where we take a look at the big stories of the continent. Always try to, most of the time, contextualize some of the challenges and the big issues on uh, the African continent. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms. Always thank you because uh, sometimes it's hard to find us since we're no longer on uh, shortwave. But you can find us on our DSTV channel. We're on www.chowafrica.co.za. And if you're listening to us on the audio bouquet, we're on DSTV channel 802. Well, let's quickly move on and look at the subject matter of today. It's a subject matter that is uh, one that is actually becoming very central when Africans are starting to look at ownership of their commodities and also the fact of how they're gaining uh, from their own mining industries. But we know that there are multiple challenges in the mining industry on the African continent. They can be outlined in a long list ranging from scarcity of energy when we look at the Democratic Republic of Congo, which has hampers the mining process, to the illegal mining of diamonds in Zimbabwe, to the questions of ownership that South Africa is dealing with uh, in mining companies. The list goes on and on. And adding to this problem is the intense use of automation now that's being introduced in mining, which threatens many jobs in the industries. Now, experts also have the view that these challenges are causing... Uh, investors to find new ways to invest in less intensive uh, mining projects. And also we can even look at the environmental factors in this. Well, to help us on this, uh, we're joined by Dr. Ola Bello, who's a resource governance expert. We also have Dr. Vuyom Jimba, who's a chief research specialist at the Human Sciences Research Council. Thank you both, gents, uh, for giving us your time. Let me start with you, Dr. Ola Bello. Thank you for giving us your time all the way there in Nigeria. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Now, clearly, before we look at the challenges in the mining industry in Africa, we could also look at uh, really understanding the mining industry uh, of the continent. Uh, Can you give us a bit of an understanding in this regard? Because it's very versatile, so you can't just look at it in one stream since there are so many possibilities. However, we're going to go into the challenges that hamper some of the progress that we're not seeing on the African continent. Um, I think Africa's challenges with its extractive industry um, can be understood um, through three reasons. Um, you know, essentially, the first is about how we maximize the benefit um, from these resources to our people. So, in that sense, you're talking about what you call in South Africa beneficiation. Um, in Nigeria, we like to um, call it, um, you know, a lot of the focus is on what we call um, backward linkages, um, the, the mining industry and being um, an integral part of a thriving, prospering economy. So you have those sort of technical, um, you know, challenges around how you translate um, natural riches, 
into terms of, you know, that are beneficial for people, not catered away and elsewhere to be, um, you know, transformed into things that are of high value, um, of which Africa captures an increasingly smaller um, percentage of their wealth being created. Um, the other set of challenges, I think, relates to what, what I would call externalities. Um, you know, whether you think about, um, you know, illegal gold mining in, in Ghana, um, to, to mineral extraction in Nigeria that are not accounted for in terms of, um, you know, practitioners paying taxes, um, or some of the community tension you see in South Africa, you know, with regards to an industry that seems to have made some contribution, but has also left significant and, you know, negative and legacies, including acid mine drainage, you know, community issues, how you ensure that community interests are well balanced against those of the, um, you know, corporate uh, mining sector. Mm, mm. Those are significant challenges that I would characterize as externalities. We are still grappling with all of mm. those things. And mm. um, the third part, I think, is about the broader governance um, of this sector and the technical capacity needed to stand, um, you know, foot to foot with some of the best resource mining companies from around the world to make sure that whatever they are doing in Africa, you know, translates into profit and prosperity for those companies, but also that Africa is being given the fair shot. In summary, I think these are the three challenges. You know, our countries have managed this um, fairly well to some extent. Mm. You know, South Africa, we say Johannesburg, Syria, um, you know, built by gold, but, you know, the, 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 the negatives are still there. Mm. Botswana has done fairly well. It's not a perfect story. But beyond, um, you know, the more positive cases like South Africa and Botswana, you've got scores mm. of country where, you know, you look at mining industry and mm. you do not think it's something that either the industry itself or the host community can be really proud of. Our mm. challenge is to move um, from this not very inspiring state of affairs to using our natural riches as that bridge um, to a more sustainable, more inclusive future that I think Africa wants and Africa needs to be used. Okay, let me bring it to you, uh, Dr. William Jimba. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, the emphasis, uh, it seems, uh, by Dr. Olabello is uh, the beneficiation of uh, communities, and uh, that structure seems to be something that we, we need to work on. What are your thoughts around where the real areas of uh, challenge are when it comes to Africa's mining industry? Thank you. Um, thank you. I hope you can hear me clearly because I'm on the road. Uh, sure, I can hear um, you very clearly, sure. Thank you very much. And welcome to my colleague in Nigeria. Um, you, I think I share quite a lot of the sentiments. A lot has been researched, written, and um, a lot of policy advice has been advanced on how we can make uh, our, our mineral resources, our natural resources, uh, benefit us. I think the, the beginning of this is, this, I think many people know that despite all these riches, we remain poor. But like my colleagues would say, the issue is about what South Africans call beneficiation, what um, I would also share with you, I just look at backward linkages. I, I think it's because we have not made the most of these commodities. The commodities themselves, can you hear me? The commodities yeah, very clearly, sure, go ahead. The commodities themselves are a way to enrich. 
But I always give this example. What does it cost and what technologies do we employ to extract those, those, those resources? That's where the money is. And that's where we're missing the trend. And as a result, we are not make, making the most of these commodities. What do I mean by that? Who supplies us with the digging machinery, the processing machinery? Before we even thought about, we talk about forward linkages, as many people would like to talk about, to say we must uh, go and refine um, our platinum, uh, refine our gold and diamonds and make diamonds, literacy, which is a different value chain, if I can use that word. To get the diamond out of the ground, if it's a gemstone quality, to get the gold, to get the platinum, to get the iron ore, what does it cost? Who is employed? For me, these are the things that we are missing. And, and as a result, um, we still locked to a certain extent on the colonial, uh, what was called the enclave industry, where we just extract the, the, the commodity sector is not linked to anything else in the manufacturing sector. And, and as, as you know, uh, the, the, the leading economies in the world are the ones that are industrialized in manufacturing and services industry. Manufacturing most preferred because of especially the, the labor-intensive one that um, will employ us. Um, as we look at the SDGs, we're looking at reducing poverty, creating uh, sustainable jobs, meaningful jobs. So that is where we are, are, are just in action. Most of the things my colleague has said, and I fully agree with him, uh, with him on those things. And, and, and to, to, to just to, for the last point that I'd like to raise, mm. if you look at these commodities, because the way you are exploiting them, some of them are a source of conflict because we are doing what is called rent-seeking. Everybody wants to get something for themselves uh, uh, and, and create conflict, wars. We know what's happening with the other Congo. To, to actually think that culture is coming out of that country the, the, the very thing that we need for this technology that we are using to communicate mobile technology, and the Congo is getting that milk. Still, people are doing it. And if you go to that area, and I don't want to name names, you see the latest, the shiniest of foreign currencies and the latest of guns, and, and so somebody somewhere is benefiting, but we are not. I don't know what I'm sure. Definitely. I think you're asking it. And I think what's also exacerbating is that very fact that you're highlighting, Dr. Mjimba, the fact that we are seeing a lot of issues that are linked to um, the fact that there are wars that are waged around uh, our um, our extractive uh, industries. And that's one of the problems because we could link that to the, the factor of um, illegal mining in itself. I mean, when you, you made an example of the Democratic Republic of Congo, and that's a, a very uh, sad example of where we're even seeing more illicit outflows of even our commodities due to the fact that there's that illegal illegality that is linked to our mining industry. Dr. Mjimba? Yes, yes. That is what I was alluding to in a nutshell. Uh, thank you for summarizing that way. Um, it, it is a problem. It's well documented how these wars start, but how these things start. And uh, if I can be academic, if you go to the literature of the resource case, this is, you begin to understand what is going on there. But, but what, what is surprising is that we know what's happening. We know how it happens. Uh, we're not acting to premature, but commodities, um, being blessed with these resources, they say, is not a curse. But how, somehow, somehow, to us, it turns out to be, as I mean in Africa mostly, uh, it turns out to be not a blessing. And, and, and that is the question that most of us who are researchers are 
Wesley Mot. Yes. Mm. Dr. Olabello, your thoughts on that? Um, I, I agree um, with all that Dr. Jim said, um, but I also think that, you know, beyond just agonizing at this moment, I think what seems promising for Africa is increasingly where we could define, <clears throat> you know, what are these specific areas where extractive uh, management and extractive governance on this continent has fallen down. Um, I'm always a pragmatist. If we had to prioritize a number of, um, say, one or two, three things on which all of the African countries can cooperate and work in solidarity to make sure that there are mining industries across the different countries and start to deliver meaningfully for all of the different countries and that we're able to learn lessons across all of the different contexts and apply them, I would say maybe we prioritize three things. And if there is only one priority, that has to be about man, know thyself. I still don't think we know enough and about our natural resource endowment. When we know, a lot of the time it's because of the exploration activities that have been carried out by companies. And fairly enough, um, you know, if they discover these resources, whatever way we allocate resources, you want to incentivize those that are discovering. But the essential point is that too many, you know, jurisdictions in Africa, too many administrators, you know, are actually regulating um, on the back foot um, in the face of well-organized and big mining interests that probably know the terrain and more than a lot of these countries. So many other countries are actually not investing even a fraction of what's needed and um, in geological exploration. So if we could prioritize one thing, that would be for me. Man, know thyself. And it's the only way that you're going to get all of the international players coming to the table and talking to you from a position of respect. At the moment, I don't think we know sufficiently enough about um, the industry. Of course, there is one other thing I think we can prioritize. Um, which is to um, actually, you know, better train our administrators, um, you know, to operate from a position of knowledge, to know about all of the best um, practices out there, um, and be able to adapt them to context so that, you know, whatever we're doing, I don't think there's one size fits all. You know, there's this false debate about privatization and, you know, and, um, you know, nationalization. You can see across the whole world, example where, you know, um, publicly owned mining companies have done well. You can see jurisdiction where the private sector-led approach has also delivered. You know, every country has to decide what works for it, but the most essential element there is that the people who are leading the whole process of lawmaking, you know, defining regulation, and holding the hand of mining sector players um, to the fire to make sure that they're doing what's right for our country, whether they be small artisanal miners or some of the bigger companies, you need to be able to do a lot of this from the mm -hmm. position of knowing mm -hmm. and being competent. I think that's very weak I mean, in mm -hmm. Africa, um, you know, more than 50, 60, 70 years mm -hmm. after independence and in a lot of um, the countries. So um, I would not agonize too much. I think we must double down on the efforts that are ongoing mm -hmm. 
groups, including initiatives like the African Mining Division. I advise the African Union Commission. I've mm. done now for the last eight years as member of the technical working group, you know, trying to help define legislation and map out prospective areas for productive mm. um, collaboration among all of the different African countries. It's early days, but there's a lot more we can do. Um, to improve our ability to govern the sector, not just as individual yeah. countries, but as Africans working in solidarity to support each other to make sure that we're giving our people a fair shot. That's the voice there of Dr. Ola Bello, Executive Director of Good Governance Africa there speaking to us. He's also a resource governance expert. Uh, alongside him is Dr. Vuyom Jimbai, Chief Research Specialist at the Human Sciences Research Council. I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back to you, Dr. Mjimba, because I want to get your thoughts about uh, some of those thoughts that are coming from Dr. Ola Bello. And also want us to talk about the fact that we're seeing a movement of the emphasis of automation in the mining industry and Africa has had the challenge to adapt to this and uh, the fact that historically we've seen mining that has been a creator of uh, jobs on the continent. Uh, What does this mean for uh, us as Africa and how do we adapt to this? We'll deal with that after the break. I am an African. I owe my being to the hills and the valleys the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas, and the ever-changing seasons that define the face of our native land. Masterclass Africa, where great minds connect, an explorative one-on-one talk show that seeks to tackle issues of leadership and consciousness on the African continent and around the world. Masterclass comes to you every Friday at 800 to 900 Central African Time. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Remember, online we're on www.channelafrica.co.za where you can uh, stream us live there. On DSTV, we're on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, as we look at this very important subject matter, the challenges in the mining industry on the African continent. We're speaking to Dr. Voyo Mjimba, who's a Chief uh, Research Specialist at the Human Sciences Research Council. He's not alone. He's with the Dr. Ola Bello, who's joining us all the way Hello. from Nigeria. He's a resource governance expert and also uh, a leading uh, the Good Governance Africa organization. Dr. Mjimba, I know I have a, a few more minutes left with you, but uh, just some of the points that uh, were highlighted by Dr. Ola Bello, especially the fact that uh, we don't really know the full range of the capacity that we have in the mining industry on the African continent. What are your thoughts around uh, uh, that particular theme because that's something interesting that he has brought forward indeed and 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 i'm very happy because i i think this is one of the people that where there's a meeting of minds between what he says and what i've done in my research i fully agree with him Uh, we don't know what we have the most of the exploration is done by uh uh, 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 non-african friends i've written something uh on those lines um just to extend what he's saying, look, 
the reason why, and he spoke about the backward linkages issue, the reason why we don't supply input that help extract our, 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 our resources from the ground uh, is one of the reasons why our mining sector is not contributing. But again, there's a, there's a caveat here that I want to add. You will find that what you supply to extract those mines is determined by the type of mine that you construct, the standards that are used. So if you use those standards that are most mine construction firms with one in South Africa, most are from Canada and Australia. So if they come, they put Australian standards. It means all the service spares and everything else will be those standards. So it kicks up out of the value chain or the supply chain. Now, I've argued in one of my writings, and, and it hasn't received so much, but I still, it hasn't received so much good reviews, but I still hold by my thoughts. One of the things that I found when I was doing research is that when those standards, since those standards determine who is going to be a supplier of whatever you want to use, it makes sense. And, and how do you win that thing? It makes sense if you explore, if you understand exploration, explore, produce a bankable feasibility project. It means you have explored, you have proven, there's the standards that are set, the mineral is there, whatever you're looking for is there. Now, if you have done the exploration, you have so much power to control how the mine is going to be constructed. What's called within geological limits and other technical engineering. So I concur with him. We don't know what we have. And I've said, if we can dominate, and this is the argument that I've made, if we can dominate the exploration industry, we've won half the battle. Right now, mm. we don't. Mm. We've won. As I know there are risks in exploration. For instance, we calculated of every thousand projects that start, mm-hmm. only one has got a chance of succeeding to be a fully uh, operational mine, a commercial large-scale mine. But those are the risks that people need to take. And if we, the whole of Africa, combines and create a very strong exploration industry that is got linkages across borders, which is the concept of um, uh, um, continental free trade agreement. And again, in my last point, I, I don't want to stretch it, is that if you look at the various sub-chains of the mining value chain from exploration, mine construction, the production, purification, relatively speaking, and I want to emphasize relatively speaking, the exploration stage is technically less complex and technically less costly financially, mm-hmm. meaning it is within our reach. It may not be as glamorous as cutting and polishing diamonds, but that is the genesis of success, in my view. Well, it's also interesting that you put that uh, fact across, especially around the issues of exploration, because in that uh, part of mining, we've seen the emphasis of automation, uh, Dr. Um, Jimba. And it's something that more and more experts are talking about, the introduction of automation in the mining industry. I'm even told that in South Africa, it seems like uh, some mining companies are even leaving the country to explore in other African countries, uh, utilizing automation because of the fact that our minds are really dug in deeply and the depth of our minds and that's a cost factor and also that's changing the dynamics of the industry isn't it Dr. Mjimba this whole fourth industrial revolution emphasis around industries yes yes indeed I fully concur that it's happening but automation was was always going to come I, I <laughs> Those who are my age, I don't know if you know, my age. Um, <laughs> I think the good prof on the other side will agree with my prof. 
In the 70s, people were worried. Do you remember when people needed to fill a truck with sand during the colonial time? Mm. 30 or so men would take shovels and shovel mm, the truck. Mm, and mm. Then came the front end. I was still young, but I remember people complaining that our husbands shouted the women. Sorry, I'm not being... I'm well, well, your age is now exposed, uh, Dr. Mjimba. <laughs> we'll, you couldn't run away from it, could you? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll lose their jobs. Did they? They found other jobs. I, mm. I think automation is going to come. Came. We, we have seen, we are the generation that see the VCR moving to the DVD. We've seen the fixed landline to the mobile phone. But have people really lost their jobs? I don't know, perhaps I'm being uh, overly uh, optimistic, but my view, and I go back again, if we can explore, there are some jobs that you can never remove the human factor. And these jobs are going to be highly technical, where you need human judgment, and the machine can do that. Yes, I know there's machine learning, artificial intelligence, but there's something so complex about the human being that even a machine, I don't think, I think we're still centuries away from actually totally replacing the human being. Uh, what are your thoughts there, um, uh, Dr. Um The fact that uh, we haven't even resolved the issues around uh, beneficiation, how communities benefit now, the only way that uh, African communities benefit is only through those uh, uh, low-level jobs. I don't know if it is a low-level job, but it has been identified as such, which is uh, the miner himself from uh, these uh, communities. Now you introduce automation. Now it's like, how are now the communities going to actually be able to benefit from this mining industry in this particular community, for for example? Um, well, I mean, it, um, automation is something that has, um, you know, scared a lot of concern here on the continent. Um, but as Dr. Jimbo said, I think um, it's inevitable. We must move with the time. People talk about people talk today about the rise of the machine. Um, my sense though is that you know the world of that and um, that future world, whether in mining or in, in every of the every of the other workplaces, you know the machine alone may not have um, a field there on their own. Um, essentially, I think they still you know, the human agency um, at the heart of everything, including mining, um, is one that I think, um, you know, will endure and will last. Um, so whilst I agree that, you know, the turn to automation um, is something we should clearly try and understand and position ourselves well to be able to deal with so that some of the predicted negative um, fallouts, including, you know, um, you know, mass layoff of people and un- unemployment, and you know, as a result of um, the turn to machines in the mining industry, is something that well managed or can you know, um, you know, we can even create synergy um, between machine and people in a way that does not um, lead to the loss of um, livelihood. I think Africa may well be um, fairly well positioned on this. We cannot be complacent. We must manage this change as I've emphasized. But I think the big advantage I also see for Africa in all of these um, is that we're not one of the most technologically advanced continents out there. And if you look at the uh, history of our political economy, over the, certainly over the last 30 years, 
it's very much been a history of um, of catch up, um, of adopting technology um, that have you know um, that have been used successfully in other contexts like mobile telephony. They mm-hmm. tend to come belatedly to Africa, but I think the exciting thing is that when we've taken this on, we've been able to innovate on it and even manage to surpass um, some of the traditional, you know, the earliest um, adopters. And in that context, um, Africa is in today and in the area of mobile, you know, telephony and, and you know, uh, mobile payment and, and all of that, Africa is seen, you know, as a pioneer. I think we may well be repeating the same sort of story mm. um, when it comes to mining. Because when you are an early adopter, there are advantages in that, but there are also downsides. Those who come after you can observe what you've done, try and learn some of the lessons um, that are emerging from your own and hands-on practical experience. And when they take on board mm-hmm. some of this technology, that we try and mitigate the downsides and we try and build on um, some of the positives. So um, being a, a, a follower in technological adoption in that sense, they well proved to be, um, you know, a boon for African mining in the future. But mm-hmm. all of these advantages, of course, you know, will not trust themselves on our laps. And that's why I think the importance of navigating with a clear eye and analyzing, you know, proactively um, to see where some of the advantages are so that we can um, capitalize on them um, whenever they emerge. You know, just as an anecdote here, um, there is um, a Nigerian professor who sadly is no longer with us, and um, Professor Pius, um, additionally, who died on the um, on the European um, Ethiopian airline, um, you know that that crash. And in March, he gave a fantastic talk, um, you know, some time back, in which he asked the question, which I think is relevant for the for the day we're having here, about whether should Africa face forward. You know, all of the um, assumption that Africa is a laggard, you know, we're behind every continent um, in terms of socio-economic and human development and all of those things. These are things that are true. But you also look at the way technology is progressing today, the breakneck phase at which technology is changing, you know, the texture and the face of our civilization. You have to, you have to be a little bit worried that maybe we need to manage this and a little bit better, artificial intelligence and all of those things, we're not sure it would play out. But the fact that Africa is coming to be a bit more conservatively, a bit more slower than the rest of the world, Australians have been talking about automation in their mining industry for nearly 20 years now. South Africa has been twisting its thumb for the last decade or so you know, how automation could happen in the South African context without decimating jobs. I think that sort of, um, you know, paved approach may well play into the hand of Africa. We will learn from what the others have done well um, and find and use those things to advantage. Father for me, essentially, is of the opinion that Africa, you know, Africa, you know, Africa doesn't need to face forward, the world must face Africa. And so mm. in that sense, I would not worry too much. Sure. I would not position, yeah. well position on this. Others mm. must be first. And mm. whatever we can learn um, from their own experience, I'm hopeful that we can apply them intelligently and um, productively 
in the African context. Sure, Dr. Dr. Pelle, let me bring in Dr. Mjimba for his final sentiment. I know he's off to a meeting and I'm taking more of the time that we agreed with. Just to get your final sentiment there, uh, Dr. Mjimba, before I let you go. Well, thank you very much, sir. Uh, I think I I, I concur fully with uh, Prof. who are speaking. Uh, we, 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 We need to bring something to the table of the mining. We have the minerals. We, we, we can use them to uh, improve the plight of our people, but we have to think differently. I think that is what I am, I am, I'm just put my final words. The research is there. The researchers are there. They have uh, quite a lot of um, useful and practical, if I can call pragmatic policy advice that can uh, help us advance uh, 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 um, our industry for the benefit of all uh, so that we can, in the process, uh, um, realize the, the objectives, the goals, the sustainability women goals, Agenda 2063. The knowledge is there. Uh, I, I think it's now time to get the political will to apply the knowledge that the African, as Prof. has said, we need to take technology and apply them to our context. So the knowledge is there, the context, we are the Africans, we are there. I think the, what's left is to try and find, mix these ingredients and bake the cake and a big cake and we, we all enjoy well, thank you, Chance, for giving us your time. We really appreciate it. That's the voice there of Dr. Voyom Jimba, Chief Research Specialist at the Human Sciences Research Council. I hope that your meeting goes well and that you're not late, Dr. Mjimba. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Dr. Ola. Thank you. Thank you as well to Dr. Ola Bello um, joining us uh, all the way from Nigeria and uh, he is uh, a very uh, important uh, resource governance expert working with the United uh, Nations the AU and various uh, uh, research uh, uh, departments and right now he's the executive director of the Good uh, Governance Africa. Uh, Thank you Dr. Ola Bello for also giving us your time. Well, I think uh, he said goodbye already, uh, but uh, I just saw a wonderful message coming from uh, the son, Jesse Clegg, and we all know that uh, Johnny Clegg has uh, passed away. It was announced uh, actually uh, uh, today. Everyone is speaking about it on social media, and it is a sad moment for South Africa. Maybe we'll do a tribute uh, maybe uh, sometime next week to the man, what he represented, maybe find out a little bit about him, get more of information about him as a musician but let me read this a message that was tweeted by his son Jesse Clegg who's a, a great musician in his own right he's saying he thanks you for the magic that you have given us and for creating a special place in our lives and especially for our family you have inspired me as your son both as a musician and as a man and given me the tools to live a meaningful life I will miss you deeply and I will struggle to imagine a world without you that is Jesse Clegg's tribute to his father, uh, Johnny Clegg. We know that he's one of the few musicians who was uh, a white man who really went into the world of uh, black people during apartheid to find out more about our culture, learned about the Zulu music. So we're going to play a bit of a homage to him before we go to our business news. And this is his uh, classic, Asimbonanga. And uh, what a sad loss for South Africa. Hasim Bonanga Hasim Bonango Mandela Jina Lateko